Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Macro Compass. Important announcement. This is the first article of the TMC Macro Education Series. Once a week, I will deliver some bonus educational content, which will cover big picture macro trends, the bond market, monetary mechanics, risk management, and much more from an educational angle in a quick five minutes read or listening time. Financial education is a key principle for the macro compass. So consider this a bonus additional effort to help you step up your macro game. In the first article of the TMC macro education series, we're going to talk about the long-term debt cycle. So long-term structural economic growth is mostly driven by two factors, demographics and productivity. And both, as we will show, peaked in the late 80s. So how did you choose to fix the problem of slowing structural economic growth since then with a ton of debt? And it worked until now, but we are at the very late stages of the long-term macro debt cycle. So let's walk back to demographics and productivity and try to explain why they drive economic growth and why they peaked in the 80s. Healthy demographics and high fertility rates facilitate a growing labor force. Retirees are more than offset by new young workers, and hence, the share of working age population as a percentage of total goes up. In other words, more workers, more potential for growth. Over the next decades, though, what we will see is that the share of working age population will decline across many countries, as you can see in the first chart in the article. For instance, even if not depicted in the, ch in the, in the chart, important to know that China, the Chinese workforce, will likely shrink by 250 to 300 million people over the next few decades, which will be a hard hit for global growth. The situation is vastly different from the 80s or before the 80s when, as you can see in the chart, working age population as a percentage of total was growing. We had healthy demographics. After the 80s, though, the share of working age population started shrinking, and it will continue to shrink over the next few decades, which will be negative for global structural growth. What about the second driver of structural growth? Productivity. Total factor productivity growth measures how productive are capital and labor resources. So an effective capital allocation and technological progress contribute to achieving positive productivity growth, which boosts potential structural growth. Now, as the marginal benefit from technological progress tends to decline over time, and capital misallocation took center stage over the last one to two decades, with zero interest rate policy, negative real interest rates, quantitative easing leading to distortion in capital markets, total factor productivity growth, as you can see in the second chart in the article, stagnated around 1% per year. Nothing particularly exciting. So let's recap. As per the early 90s, we had a situation where labor force and productivity growth trends weakened materially. Potential GDP growth started declining to socially and politically unacceptable levels. So how did we end up fixing that? Simple, 
with a ton of leverage, with a ton of debt. Public and private debt levels as a percentage of GDP amongst developed economies skyrocketed from the 90s to the 2020s from below 200% to over 300%. And as you can see in the third chart in the article, even in China, from 100% to GDP, debt to GDP in 1995 to over 300% in only 15 years. Now, in certain jurisdictions, that was mostly put on the government balance sheet, for instance, in Japan. In other jurisdictions, like in China, it was private sector debt. But in general, it was the creation of debt and credit, which was the easy fix for the slowing structural growth problem since the 90s. And to be precise, it was cheaper and cheaper credit. Because real interest rates relentlessly declined for three decades, allowing a system with lower structural growth offset by more and more leverage at cheaper and cheaper borrowing costs to thrive and survive. But as you can see in the last chart in the article, which I think is the most important big picture macro chart there, the more unproductive debt in the system, the lower real yields must be for the system to survive. So if you look at the chart, you have US public and private debt as a percentage of GDP on the right-hand side, which grew from 180% to almost 300% in the last 20 years. On the left-hand side, you have 30-year real inflation-adjusted interest rates in the US. So on the left-hand side, and the scale is inverted, which means the more the blue line goes up, the more real rates are going down. As global global and US public and private debt to GDP went up, real interest rates became lower and lower to make sure that the system could sustain and survive under that huge burden of debt. So this is how the system has come to fruition over the last 30 years. Structural growth has been trending down and because of demographics and stagnant productivity, it's likely to keep trending down further over the next 30 to 40 years. The way we have fixed the lower structural growth problem is by a higher and higher leverage and more and more debt at cheaper and cheaper borrowing costs, as you can see in the last chart of the article. I believe that this long-term debt cycle is at its very last innings as we speak. And look, it's very simple. Fighting inflation requires higher real interest rates and our over-leveraged system cannot bear that. We are already starting to see the cracks appearing from increasing real interest rates when global, private, and public debt levels are so high. In general, when that happens, you can expect the system to start deleveraging to a certain extent. And once you deleverage a credit-based system, it is very, very hard to get it back on its feet. Just ask Japan, which pushed this system already to the limit in the 90s, when demographics and productivity were declining in Japan already, and it was through leverage and cheap borrowing that the system could thrive until we had a deleveraging of the real estate sector in Japan. And Japan has never been able to engineer structural growth after this deleveraging episode. So I believe the long-term debt cycle is at its very last innings. Said that, I will talk to you guys again very soon.
with another piece of the TMC macro education series.